It's a painful, trying time right now in the world. I want to take a few breaths together, okay? Just try to make a sound in the out-breath. joining joining today <laughs> this is a live recording sometimes these things do happen it's it's okay all right now i want you to visualize what's giving you the most pain right now i want you to find your center and i guess someone's outside right now he should stop soon enough. All right. Okay. Okay, back back to our center. Take deep, strong breaths right from the chest. Hold on one sec. David, take control of this fucking dog. You had to get this stupid thing, and now I'm gonna shut the hell up. Bark, bark, bark. You like that? Bark, bark, bark. Bark, 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 bark. Bark, 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 bark. Hmm. Anyways. Molly is really kicking in right now. Hello there. Welcome back to Load Your Expectation with me, Jaywalk. This is episode number eight, which is kind of an important milestone for me because most podcasts, this is the make or break episode for them. <laughs> is that statistically, most podcasts don't make it to eight episodes or end right after that. And for this show, consistency really is the name of the game. As a matter of fact, even though I have a pretty small audience right now um last week i got uh let's check it out right now so last week i got um 18 listens no i'm sorry i got 24 i got 24 listens technically in the week till today and then the week before that i got 18 so i'm actually going up in a listenership but there's a uh, there's another lower your expectation on apple itunes and it's like by some fucking YouTube streamer guy, uh, the kind of people who have made me hate YouTube and filmmaking in general, to be totally honest with you. Uh, I've had so many crises with my career choice just going on YouTube. Try try this sometime. Like sign yourself out of your of your YouTube and just look at what like the most popular shit is, like what people are, are watching and stuff. It's ridiculous. Like it's so like lame and like streamers. I mean jesus christ like like we are really down to watching people play video games like come on guys i mean i guess I and mean, people make the arguments that yeah it's like you know watching sports or something um but not really <laughs> and also it's clearly like like piggybacking off an ip i i what i've sort of realized uh in, in my uh, analysis of popular YouTube channels. Um, there's like a few like guaranteed ways to uh, to get viewers. One of them is to be a hot chick with like nice boobs. That will immediately just put that damn thumbnail in, and like you can't help it. It's it's so cheating because men cannot help <laughs> but like to stare or look.
book, you know, you're you're tapping into our reptilian brain for views. But you know what, girl, make that money, do what you got to do. Enjoy it while you still got it, I say. Um, but the other one, which is what video game streamers do a lot, is just taking an IP, like taking a video game or a movie or something, and then just squeezing that into your content because you're doing commentary on it, which is something I am also doing, by the way. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I can't be too much of a hypocrite there, but, you know, just just like streamers in general. So they've done uh, surveys with uh, kids in school now of what the most like uh, desired profession is. It's YouTuber. And it's been this way for a while. I was I was at a teacher's conference thing um, like four years ago, and it was the same thing. They were all like YouTuber, YouTuber. Everyone wants to be a fucking YouTuber. And now that I am on the job hunts, I've been on an app or a website that I have hated for most of my life. And now the going has gotten tough and I've finally signed up. And that is Upwork, which one thing I will say that they've changed and uh, is very good, <laughs> good for me and maybe not for a lot of other people. But, you know, the bottom line with with uh, with a lot of online like freelancer sites is that I live in Santa Barbara, California. Like I will never be able to work at the same wage as someone in Indonesia will. Like it just is not going to happen. And it used to piss me off so much whenever clients would brag to me about that shit Whenever they would be like, oh, yeah, I found this uh, app developer, you know, in like the Middle East who will do it for two dollars. Like, awesome. Like, cool. So rest of us just kind of get fucked and don't don't get to work. And um, you got a great bargain out there. <laughs> like, awesome. Thanks for bragging to me about uh, about business, about jobs being taken away from from Americans. Thank you. But uh, now they actually do have U.S. only buyers and sellers, um, which is sweet, you know, because God damn it. Like, I think I think there's I think there's a minimum level of patriotism that you can have in this country. And one of them is that we should help each other out, you know, is that if if there's if you need a job done and you can pay like a, like a barely living wage to someone here, then you should do that. You know, it keeps money circling around and stuff and. There's plenty of of other um, businesses, especially when it comes to uh, like manufacturing and stuff that sadly you just couldn't do, um, you know, in this country sometimes. And we need to have them done in, in China and whatnot. But whenever it comes to creative labor and stuff, like give me a break, you know. So I used to always be against that site because I just felt like I, I'm not going to like subject myself to uh to competing with someone who will do something for $2 an hour. You know, I'm just, I'm just not. And, and frankly, the people who will immediately just, instead of even trying to find work in their, in their community or hire in their community or even in their country will immediately say, I just want to save whatever fucking dime I can. I don't give a damn. I don't really like those people too much. <laughs> They're really not people I want to be my clients and work with. But now they have a U.S. only kind of thing, and uh, some people might say that that is nationalistic, perhaps xenophobic, but it does make me feel a little less like 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 desperate and pathetic to be on that site. And they've raised the minimum uh, the minimum wage on that site too is like twenty five dollars an hour. Now they take five dollars of that, so you only get twenty. But that's pretty damn reasonable. And I, I I'm really glad they they took that path because people need it. You know, like right now. I need whatever the fuck I can get. Um, I had a complaint from a uh, listener that my last episode was uh, too depressing, me talking about uh, my problems with being broke right now. So I'm going to try to have a more upbeat attitude about it this this episode and maybe even have a laugh track behind this. So uh, anyways, uh, so I'm going to a food bank for the first time in my life tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> It's been kind of cool that I've been cutting out like a lot of the fat in my life. I had so many little bills that I've just been paying to people and never really asking for a break on. And I just just start. I've been just doing it with everyone, even with like even with bills that are just kind of standard. Here you go. Like, this is just what you pay. And sometimes it doesn't hurt just to fucking call them. And, and especially if it's a big corporation or something, you got nothing to worry about. Like the worst thing they'll say is no, but sometimes they might say yes. You know, I've, I've had this trick actually, anytime I've had a late payment on something, anytime that I've accidentally let a bill go a day, I never pay late fees. I don't do it. I just, as soon as I'm late, I call them up and I give them a long sob story <laughs> about how I cannot afford this no matter what. And that like, I'm so sorry, it'll never happen again. And 
almost always they let it go. Now, sometimes they can't. Usually if I try to pull that trick <laughs> more than more than like once every like six months, then, yeah, they're like, fuck you, you're going to pay these late fees. But especially a lot right now, a lot of companies, uh, including my cell phone plan with Google Fi. Yeah, I use a Google Fi for my cell phone service. And I love it, by the way, like they are uh, it's it just makes the most sense. Uh, it's only twenty dollars a month for limited talk and text. And then you just pay uh, $10 uh, per gigabyte of data that you use. And for someone like me, I'm a Wi-Fi fiend, baby. Anytime I'm in a joint and they got the Wi-Fi, first thing I'm doing is going up, hey, can I get that Wi-Fi password? Mind if I have that Wi-Fi password? It costs them nothing to give you the fucking Wi-Fi password. And whenever they do, I ain't gonna pay shits for the data. So I'll, I'll have some, you know, months where like my data bill is like $2 because I use like, you know, 0.2 gigabytes, um, you know, just running around. And I've also learned to optimize like music listening and listening to audiobooks and podcasts. You just fucking download them at home. It's that simple. Although I was in a slightly embarrassing situation. <laughs> I was uh, with a friend who uh, invited me over to their house and they're like, hey, let's... uh." Like, can I just use your phone to like watch or listen to something? Cause they didn't have internet at all. And I was like, Ooh, no, can't do that. It's going to be like two bucks that I really can't afford right now. <laughs> That's what I fucking hate about being broke so much. I, I, like I, one of my, one of my favorite, uh, radio people, Mike, Mike David of red bar. Uh, he makes this joke all the time that his household doesn't do change. That whenever he gets change from the store, he just throws that shit in the trash. And I kind of agree with that attitude. Like I really like, I, like I, I just, sweating over a fucking dollar or less is just so cruel and humiliating and just it's just it's 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 obviously way 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 more mental effort than it's worth but sometimes that's where you fucking are you're just you know you're just scraping but uh one cool thing about me not throwing my change in the trash is i had i have exactly 60 dollars in rolled change that i found out of that bad boy just through years of tossing it in in my old um cd dvd uh cake boxes that do nothing right now and i know i need to throw away like i have the i have all these like pristine uh blank recordable dvds and cds that i'm just never gonna use like they just they need to be thrown away i really need to get i really gotta get in my head like shit like that you're you're never gonna use it but the but there's a, you know there's like the the hoarder in me is like but what if what if someone needs a cd what if a client wants a DVD? And by the way, if you're a client and you ask me for a DVD, fuck you. Fuck you. It's happened to me before. It is 2020. We don't burn DVDs anymore. I'm not going to spend half a day finding my fucking DVD authoring program and finding a DVD drive and then getting a burned DVD and having to build a menu and encode it to MPEG and then put it on there. And then before I send it to you, I got to find a fucking DVD player to watch the stupid thing. I'm not making you a goddamn DVD. So... You know, I should honestly just get rid of the uh, of the blank DVDs at this point. So, uh, you know, besides uh, my uh, financial uh, difficulties, um, I lost and found my cat, which was great. Um, I did. I will admit I did have uh, a brief uh, period where I was imagining that things would be easier if I didn't have a pet. Like I, I could like move. Close your ears, kitty, for this. Like I, I could move like anywhere I wanted. Like once you have a pet, it's, it's so ridiculous trying to get a place. Um, my, my strategy, honestly, is that I just pretend like I don't see the the no pet sign, and I just win them over on everything but the fucking cat. So what I'll do is I'll see a place that I like. I did it with this place actually, by the way. If it says no pets or no cats, I just ignore that shit immediately, and then I go meet with them. I wow them with my kindness and responsible nature. I show them my great credit score. I show them my perfect rental history. I got the cash in hand, baby, to put up, put down that deposit and get in that place. And then I just go, oh, I forgot. I have a small cat who's outdoors and causes no problems whatsoever and doesn't bark and has all the, you know, it's my, my cat is like, is more independent than I am in this house. <laughs> like she's outside all the time. It's fine. It's not a problem. Um, and I just sneak that in at the end and sometimes no, it's a hell no. Uh, you know, usually cause of some other fucking dog that's there. Dogs are dogs give, uh, 
like you know uh, cats as pets such a such a bad name because that, that's what it, that's what they have to put in the stupid no pets allowed rules it's because of dogs guys it's not because of cats it's because of the rup, 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 fucking dogs the constant yipping barking shitting all over things tearing up everything uh dogs that uh you know people people put up with in their fucking apartments what are you doing what are you doing with a dog in an apartment you need a you need a yard in a home i like dogs a lot my my dad trained hunting dogs and that's where they were meant to be they're outside they run around um but you know this little like yipping kind of bullshit just over it sorry i'm a little negative today <laughs> about about pets and stuff but uh which is true because my cat does nothing the worst That'll sometimes happen is for some reason she she must puke inside. It's just it, it's the only thing that really pisses me off with her is that she does everything else outside. I have no idea any of her bodily functions, but for some reason she has to show me whenever she throws up. It's like it has to be right there on the carpet and all that kind of bullshit. But you know, it's I got spot shot for that for those kind of situations. So the uh the topic that I wanted to talk about uh, today is um, the punk rock paradox. And, you know, I had a lot more on this I wanted to talk about. I kind of wanted to save this for a for a good, a better show. Because <laughs> um, there's so many, like, things that I've thought about this throughout my whole life. You know, uh, I grew up, um, you know, middle class, suburban white kid. And of course, you get introduced to punk rock, especially because I was a guitar player and it's the easiest form of music to get into. Like once you know, like three chords, it's done. Um, it's a, it, like, you know, I, I like Blink-182 and stuff like that. And, you know, the more hardcore and stuff, but I'm not going to like be kidding anybody. You know, I liked it. I started with my Blink-182 and then sort of moved on. And something that I realized at a extremely early age is that uh, punk rock is like a verb it's a it's not a thing hold on my stupid cat is open the door Get out. go go i'm recording like punk rock has to be in constant like rebellion and fighting against things once you start like setting what punk rock is and telling people how to believe you're not fucking punk rock anymore. It's a paradox of it. Um, you know, this is something, uh, like I said, I've, I've, I've known for a while and it's, it's part of the reason that I have some goofy ass contrarian views on a lot of things, because I always have the rebellious kind of spirits about things that the moment, like a lot of people are into something, I just have to know what the other side is, <laughs> especially if I can be a little shit about it, you know, and get under someone's skin by questioning something they've believed in a lot that isn't like God or something, you know, it's like a, that's like a taste in music or whatnot. But to me, like the biggest revelation that I had about this kind of paradox um, was my first ever concert was an ANSI flag concerts. Uh, which in retrospect, I should have known what I was getting into, but I just knew they were punk rock and uh, I liked to mosh pit and stuff. And I went to this concert, it was in Dallas, and they had uh, big like projections of George W. Bush with uh, Hitler mustache and fuck Bush, he's a Nazi. And I remember the guys on stage um, started making us chant that. I guess not making us, but they just were doing this whole chant of like, fuck Bush, fuck Bush, fuck Bush. You know, and once I saw everyone in lockstep, like chanting to the stage, I realized that that like I'm so turned off to this. <laughs> like I didn't really have a big political opinion of anything, but I was smart enough to know that uh, George Bush isn't fucking Adolf Hitler, you know, in this weird thing that we're all now supposed to just agree that that's the case because you don't like him even at 16 i was like that's that's a fucking childish view it's really childish and it made me like sort of go against going against the grain at that point you know because i still like played punk rock and stuff but but i realized that like if i don't say fuck bush and i want to be like a in a punk rock band like i am I'm not going to be liked. As a matter of fact, um, I I was in uh, some punk rock bands, and uh, as a as mostly a joke, 
I was uh, I was playing and jamming with these dudes, and I said uh, we should start a Republican punk rock band. And they're like, "What? No, that's fucking crazy." Yeah, I was like, "Exactly." I was like, "It's exactly like it's so crazy." Like everyone would talk about it, <laughs> you know. And you know, I'm like laughing about it. And this this guy was getting like really upset. The guy who was a lead singer of the band was was like, "Hell no! Like we're not gonna have your fucking like Nazi Bush," you know. And then once he once I realized that I found a button I could push on him, suddenly I became a Republican. <laughs> once I realized I had that but that button I could push on people, um, I just couldn't help but uh fucking press it all the time. So you know that's that like I said that's sort of the the paradox of it. And this is actually way better uh, put in a recent SNL skit. Uh, which was about Mar- uh, Margaret Thatcher. It was about a punk rock band who, uh, who, who their lead singer decides that he loves Margaret Thatcher and like sings all these like pro Maggie Thatcher songs. I'll play a little bit right now. Yeah, it was hard for the rest of us, you know, because at the time. No self-respecting pop band was singing pro-Thatcher songs. And what do you think about the police? Bunch of bullies, aren't they? <laughs> Thugs. I wouldn't mind being at their funeral. And you've been very outspoken about the Queen. Is she a Queen? Yeah, I, I find her to be a silly, stupid cow. Uh, right. <laughs> and what are your feelings on Miss Thatcher? Uh, I like her. A really sweet face, willing to make the hard choices. Uh, I respect that. I think she's a. Oh, wait, it's the Prime Minister you're talking about. Be decent. I didn't vote for her. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Right? Then move, leave. Have another country take you in. Oh, they won't do it. You know why? Because you're a parasite that sucks off the sky. That's no answer. Come on. Take it easy. No. No, I take it. Take it easy is what put this country into the decline. This cracks me up so much. I love in that skit too because they. Uh, it's based off off of off of the Sex Pistols, obviously, and they have they have this this moment where they're being interviewed. And like I love watching like old like '60s like talk show uh, guests kind of shits. Cause like they're always like smoking like cigarettes, like nobody's business. It had to be so much more comfy to be interviewed back in like the sixties and stuff because they always, you know, had a nice like cigarette in their hand. You have some fucking whiskey on you. I'm sure in the green room, there was uh, plenty of weed and cocaine <laughs> and, you know, they just kind of chill, but it's a, it's based off of a sex pistols interview where, uh, the one of the one it like like uh Johnny Rotten um has uh has this like girlfriend with her or something like just some like fucking heroin out like chick and tons of makeup next to her and the host says something like uh oh well you know she she's really she's really pretty and uh Johnny just goes oh you fucking perv oh you dirty old man you fucking pervert <laughs> it just goes on him Onto this like fucking just overweight, like slicked hair, like English broadcaster <laughs> is great. Um, but yeah, you know, there, there's a lot of I'm not the only person to, to think of this uh, like kind of paradox with punk rock. There's obviously a whole movie about it called SLC Punk, um, which is about like a kid just getting over it. And it's funny because I would know so many kids now who still have like uh, leather jackets and like spiky hair who love that movie. I'm like, you kind of miss the whole point of it. It's kind of like if you watched American History X and then came out of it a Nazi, like you totally saw the wrong side of that flick, I'm afraid. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there, there's that. And uh, also, you know, s- someone who uh, I used to like a lot and uh, some people who listen to this um, might think might think this person is extremely toxic, and I should be ashamed for ever ever listening to him. But um, it's almost like a Greek tragedy in in where he's gone, and how you can kind of push the envelope sometimes so hard that it just becomes fucking ridiculous. And that is my uh, that is my boy Gavin McInnes. Gavin McInnes, if you don't know, was one of the founders of Vice magazine. He's considered the godfather of hipsterdom. And uh, he has a very fascinating voice. Uh, I read his book, The Death of Cool, 
which is super funny, but like just fucking disgusting in some parts. Like if you're talking about your life story, you can really leave out like uh boning chicks. <laughs> like I know that for you, that's like fucking amazing. Like, oh my God, like I had like all these girls and we were doing blow and just like oh, having all kinds of dirty sex and stuff. Like, okay. Like it's not impressive to have sex. Like I, I hate to break this to you to everyone, but like fucking people is one of the easiest things you can do. <laughs> like it's literally a biological urge that we all share, uh, men and women. So it's not, it's about as impressive as saying that you eat meals. It's really not like fucking a lot of chicks. Just is not that maybe if you're like 14, it's pretty amazing. But, uh, once you're like over the age of 25, get, get over yourself. Okay. Wow. Wow. You can, you can have sex with women. That's amazing. So he, he gets like a little too much on that shit, which is annoying, but you know, he talks a lot about, uh, you know, making this magazine called it was the Montreal voice first, and then it turned into vice and how they just had ridiculous ass stories all the time, you know, and he would, uh, just do crazy shits. Like, you know, he'd have like, he would, uh, he, he had a, he had an office where like, uh, he, he would have drunk Fridays instead of, instead of, uh, casual Fridays every Friday they, everyone had to do their work drunk, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> and, you know, just, uh, had, had an interesting voice and, uh, he, uh, you know, around like 20, like, uh, 15 or maybe like kind of earlier, like the early 2010s, he started getting in trouble for transsexuals. Um, he started getting in trouble, uh, for making some comments about them, which, you know, we're especially considered now are pretty, are, we're, we're pretty, we're pretty rough. Um, but that's his fucking move. You know, he's like this, like, you know, punk rock editor, like gonzo journalist, like you're shocked. He said something controversial. And so he did. And then that's what got him off vice. He got kicked out of his own company and then got kicked out of a few other advertising firms. Um, one amazing thing he talks about in his book is he, he founded these advertising firms where he like literally like told his clients, we don't give a damn about your product. Like we don't care. Like, like that's, we don't care. We don't care what your company's about. But if you give us money, we'll make an ad that everyone will will watch. And so he did it for vans and all kinds of shit. But just that kind of attitude is cool. It's that punk rock attitude. But, uh, you know, sadly, like I said, in order to um, be on the fringe, in order to be the opposition, you have to be like constantly like in a fight against everything. Even things you believed in before, you suddenly have to go against the grain. And where I think... Um, he really started like going just downhill in a creative way is he realized like I realized whenever I was 16, like I still know today is that if you piss off liberals, like it, it it's, it's, uh, is that, is that it, it's, it's really satisfying to piss off liberals, um, especially like really smug ass liberals. Um, it's, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's entertaining. And especially because these people, uh, you know, have so much of their life is like wrapped around being right and sort of being the underdog to like flip that around and say, no, no, you're not, you know, like fucking everyone believes in what you're saying. I remember one time I was at a par and uh, some guy was like giving me shit. Cause like I said, back then I used to be a, a total shit and I would like to get in arguments about, about with uh, political things with people I had no business being involved in, but I could be the opposition. If I saw an opportunity, I could be the opposition. I would totally do it. And uh, my favorite thing to do, especially at these like hipster bars is whenever they were talking, you know, about like their views and whatnot, I'm like, okay, first of all, everyone here fucking agrees with you, but me, <laughs> like, I was like, tell me how many Republicans you think are in this space. You think, you think there's one Republican here? So, you know, give me a, a break that, you know, they're like running the whole world and that, you know, you're true in that you're like the lone voice against this oppression. No, you're not. You're, you've said everything. I, I know all your beliefs immediately. I think that's, that's the biggest reason why, you know, I have this contrarian mindset about things. And I, I appreciate people who have like different kind of crazy ideas is that if you're like a cartoon character, in my opinion, like if you're if you're someone who after like one or two Facebook posts, I can I know exactly how you would vote. I know your beliefs. I know I, I could put any sort of like thing in front of you, like a pro gun, like pro taxes or anything. And I would know right away what you, where your stances are on both sides. I know plenty of fucking hillbillies are the same way, but 
it, once you're that kind of cartoon character, like political person where there is no like room for nuance and you're literally just playing on the team of your choice, whether that's a Republican or a Democrat, it's just lame. And those people just bore the hell out of me. So I like to kind of shake it up. <laughs> At least I did until it, uh, seriously started causing me to lose some friends, <laughs> but you know, I did. And, and I think it with Gavin, it was the same thing is that, you know, he started just shaking it up. He started realizing that, oh, well I can just embrace kind of being this sort of bad boy of the, uh, against the left, you know, of being like a conservative Republican who has tons of tattoos and like, you know, like just, just sort of breaks all the rules that you usually think of like a button up conservative dude. So he started kind of going down that path of instead of being funny writer, he's now like a Ben Shapiro or like a Steven Crowder. And it's just lame and fucking just terrible. Like it's just, and he's quoted a lot that conservatives is like the new punk rock. And I think it is in a spirit, but you can go too far with it. <laughs> you can just like, like he's already turning into that, just that fucking cartoon character where, where it doesn't matter, you know, if you, it doesn't matter if, if you have a good point. It matters like what team you're on, which is just fucking stupid. Like, you know, I just hate it. I've kind of unsubscribed from a lot of stuff that he's been involved in just because, you know, he's he's just it's just lame. And I, I, I you know, I've actually like uh, sent him like an email before and been like, dude, just be funny. Just fucking be funny. Like you got to shake it up. Like, like you shook it up before by being the godfather of hipsterdom and then turning in to like a conservative, like serious pundit and like, you know, shake it up one more time. Tell all these like fucking idiots who are following you now and think you're Steven Crowder. Tell them to fuck themselves and do it all over again. That would be cool. But no, because now he thinks he's a serious dude about it. So like I was saying, um, th th he was a, a super, super punk rock dude though um he quotes like all kinds of bands and you know talks about the dead kennedys and stuff and i love the dead kennedys <laughs> even though like you know a lot of it's kind of goofy like uh look out for the corporations kind of stuff it's it's still got such a badass energy i love the guitars a lot i love how we how uh the east bay ray has that really cool like surf reverb style that's always been my style whenever i play guitar myself is that really cool like kind of kind of fast paced uh surfy kind of reverb thing i love it so i've always loved their music and uh like i say with a lot of uh like uh politically charged things i can like the attitude and not necessarily like the message you know i can have both like i like you know i'm all about it like it would be fucking ridiculous you know if you had even though it makes for funny content if you had like a conservative like rage against the machine or something it'd be it'd be silly but uh you know like i can i can listen to it and uh just like the attitude a whole lot and i wonder too now about uh about like jello biafra like what he thinks about all this covid stuff because like this is like prime the shit he would talk about in his songs. You know, he's like, stay indoors, citizen. Like, make sure you are always wearing your government issued mask. It's a dangerous air out there. <laughs> Just imagine him doing that. But I actually made this uh, question before to someone who, who knows about his stuff. And of course, he's just fuck Trump all the time. Of course, that's. That's all he's uh, making this voice and talking about things with is Donald Trump and uh, disappointing, but understandable. So uh, that's the punk rock paradox is uh, how how do you rebel without, uh, you know, becoming part of the mass? Like, how do you rebel whenever everyone rebels? Can you still consider yourself a rebel in that in that sense? Um, is it just a. Uh, immature idea to always follow the underdog and you know fight for like uh you know the minority opinions is just an immature thing that i have that i should probably see therapy about all kinds of questions that you get to answer yourself in your head because i don't have any guests but if you want to come on the show and tell me i'm wrong please do so in this week's what has jaywalk been reading watching playing i'm going to talk about a movie 
that I think is arguably one of the greatest science fiction stories of all time. And we're very lucky that it came out kind of later. And that is The Matrix. Okay. The Matrix is, is such an amazing uh, film and like just work of fiction in general. I really do believe that in the future, The Matrix will be looked at like like a classic, like like the Odyssey or, you know, a work of Shakespeare, because it's so like relevant to like the 21st century, especially. Um, and it has so it, it like it has it has something for everybody. OK, you know, even if you're just some dumb fucking late 90s movie watcher, you can just enjoy the kick ass special effects, the gunplay out the wazoo. You know, you can just be an idiot like that. Or if you're Mr. Smarty Pants, you can think about all the all the crazy philosophical uh, points in it that people have written books about. You know, there's so many like like GeoCities sites and shit of people examining this whole, you know, movie and all the themes it has and stuff. And to me, the biggest like crazy like icing on cake uh, to the whole thing is that if you rewatch it now, it is clearly allegories for it clearly has so many allegories and metaphors for transsexuals but they're put in like in obvious now ways but like in ways that don't that 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 sort of just apply to you know being thinking you're different and stuff in general as a matter of fact i'm going to play uh a clip from the first time that neo meets uh neo meets trinity hello neo how do you know their name? I know a lot about you. Who are you? My name is Trinity. Trinity. The Trinity? That cracked the IRSD base. That was a long time ago. Jesus. What? I just thought, um, you were a guy. Most guys do. So there you go. Like, <laughs> from the beginning of the movie, like, like Trinity you know, obviously has way more like what I would consider masculine characters, characteristics than than a female's, you know, with short hair and, you know, way she dresses. I don't know. It might be a sex city and don't really know how women dress, but that's what I, you know, you kind of get out of it and rewatch it again. Um, probably one of my only complaints with the movie is their wardrobe. Like, why the fuck do they need to wear like like black leather and like weird ass sunglasses? Like they 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 explain it kind of briefly you know, that that it's like their ideal projection of themselves whenever they're in the Matrix. But like they all have this fucking weird like leather bondage thing that they're into and, you know, looking like a badass with trench coats and glasses, I guess. And wouldn't that also, you know, kind of give them away sometimes uh, in the Matrix? There's a lot of a lot of questions like that. Um, one I heard recently, too, is like, what happens if a lot of people die in the Matrix? Like, what do they what do they do? They just like reincarnate them. Like if there's just like a mass murderer in the matrix, um, do they just like put them in new, new, new brains? Do they like, just, just go ahead and just kill them and actually in the machines and stuff. Um, doesn't make any sense. Uh, and the, uh, the, the biggest one, uh, complaint, I think it's good to start with the things I don't like. Cause they're so like small because <laughs> everything else I fucking love about this movie. And I watched, uh, the first one, and the last one, I watched uh, The Matrix, just The Matrix, and then I watched Revolutions. Didn't mean to watch them out of order, but to be fair, Reloaded kind of sucks ass of, of all of them. It's it's the the middle one, and it's just always kind of weak. I, saw, I remember seeing it in the theaters as a kid and being like, eh, I have to watch another one now? Like, that's kind of fucking stupid. Like, it just ends on a, on a cliffhanger, but whatever. I did watch the first two, and uh, this is sort of my headcanon that I've always had about the movie and some people on the internet, uh, nerds like me agree with, with, with this is that the idea that the humans, um, by the way, spoilers, like you're a fucking retard, you're, uh, <clears throat> you're an R word. If you've never uh, seen this film before, you need to put it on immediately and watch it. Just turn off this right away. I'm going to warn you right now. I got major spoilers for the matrix and the show Lost, and the show Lost especially like you, if you fucking, are listening to this and you plan on watching lost like you're going to ruin your entire life you understand i'm giving you your chance right now 
to turn off this podcast. It's okay. I already got your analytic data because you've listened to more than half of it. So it's all gravy, baby, for you just to turn this thing off and uh, watch these two pieces. Maybe Lost will take a little bit longer. Honestly, if you don't give a shit, then just listen. I'm not going to do major spoilers on Lost. I'm basically going to give you my theories on it because they kind of tie together. Um, and what that is, is that I think the original idea for the people in the Matrix, like their purpose of why they were, you know, put in pods and whatnot, was not for energy. It was for their computing power. Like to me, that makes much more sense. That's more almost poetic in a way that humans are now, uh, you know, their their brain power and processing is used like, you know, like instead of artificial intelligence, it's like natural intelligence, you know, it's like, whoa, it's a total like mind blowing thing. And I think there's a lot of like arguments we made that there is like certain parts of uh, human like cognition and, and consciousness that hu- that maybe the machines couldn't figure out in creativity and whatnot. So that's why they put us in, in the vats and stuff was for our brain power, not batteries. The battery explanation is so dumb, especially there's, there's a line where, uh, where, um, where Morpheus says that he saw the fields with the humans and he saw how they would use their dead, uh, to feed the living. That's like the second law of thermodynamics guys. Like you can't, like, you can't, you can't like have a system where whenever like an animal dies, they just like eat each other. Um, like the energy goes away in the food web every time you eat something. It's why like it's so much more energy efficient to eat grains as opposed to cows, because like once you go from sunlight to grain to cows, um, you lose a ton of energy. It's just like it's the natural laws of physics. That's <laughs> just the way it works. It's the reason why apex predators are so like less common than than like, uh, you know, small little mice and stuff is because whenever like a, uh, you know, whenever like a hawk eats a mouse, that mouse ate a grain, which, you know, was, was grown through sunlight and photosynthesis. It all goes down an energy level, the farther up you go. It's like, so that part makes no friggin' sense that they would use them like batteries. I like to think that they originally wanted to make them like humans and, and computing power, but maybe they just thought audiences were too st- were too dumb to get it, and so they just were like, "No, nah, just fucking make it a battery." And I, or maybe, uh, you know, maybe maybe someone like came up with that idea, and or like a fan or something, and they're like, "No, nah, now now we can't do that at all." I actually have a theory about about the same kind of thing with the show Lost. This is where I'm getting to the Lost spoilers, and I'm dead serious. If 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 you've started kind of watching it and you like it, like turn this shit off immediately. Um, but in the show, there was a very common fan theory that went on since it started. And that was that they died in the plane crash. They simply died in the plane crash. They're going through a purgatory or some sort of afterlife on the island. It explains everything. It explains why, you know, there's magical stuff going on, why there's all this religious symbology and whatnot. And my head canon uh, fan theory is that uh, JJ and co just got really butthurt <laughs> that fans figured that shit out so quick because it, it, you know, if they didn't, if there wasn't the internet and everyone's just like, you know, given all their fucking little theories and stuff, they could have just, you know, saved that. And then that would be a great like ending surprise was that, Oh wow. They died in the plane crash and the whole thing, you know, is them dead. It's why, you know, the, the guy in the, in the coffin, uh, you know, gets out of the coffin and stuff because they're all fucking dead. Um, and they're in an afterlife kind of place. And, uh, I think, I think at least for the first season, cause originally loss was planned to be one season. They were just going to do it one season that that was clearly what they were setting it up to be like. There's so many hints. I can't even get into it that they were clearly at least if they were going to do one season, going to end it with them all being dead, you know, with them all being dead. And this is like just their kind of afterlife. They learn to kind of deal with their past struggles and stuff and move on. And what the show does instead is that they skirt around this for six seasons. And then the last season, they sort of go, well, kinda like it's not necessarily the afterlife but it's like a special place where they all like know each other and like come together and stuff and then like they you know just uh, it's just annoying because uh it's it it clearly should have just been them in purgatory but uh in my head i like to think they are and just like i said they just got butthurt about it 
recording these things at night. It's kind of a mixed bag. It's what I'm doing right now. Um, <clears throat> mostly because it's getting hot, so I want to keep the uh, AC uh, situation at a minimum since it's dark outside, but I'm like sleepy now, and I can hear myself kind of fading off. I still got to talk about the fucking Matrix for a few more minutes. Okay. So anyways, in the Matrix, they are batteries instead of like, uh, you know, being computers, which I think is lame. Uh, but, but like I said, there's so many like, uh, great, uh, like allegories and philosophies behind it. But yeah, like, like I said, with the, with the matrix, it's cool. It's a movie for everyone. Um, you know, it resonates with a lot of people, uh, and is badass just has like a badass like to, uh, tone and theme. I mean, it, it invented, you know, the bullet time thing. It's just like, it's crazy how much like shit just to me, like just how important that movie is. That's why, that's why I'm saying. I really do believe in the future that it will be a like a huge classic that, it, you know, it's uh, it's just it's just one of those like rare gems of of literature and art in general that comes out that like is just a game changer. It's amazing um, with with special effects, you know, with the, the fucking color correcting on everything, which then all the movies had to do. Um, there's you know, I'll listen to people who went to like college uh, around like the like late nineties and early two thousands and you watch their demo reel shit. It's all got the green tint on it. <laughs> it's all fucking trying to be the matrix and stuff, you know, and who can forget all the parodies that were done. You know, one of my favorite is, is uh Chappelle's where he's Morpheus on the phone and telling him to like walk around the office. It's just hilarious. I actually can't watch that scene like legit anymore in the movie. Cause that's all I can think about is <laughs> the Dave Chappelle rip, rip off. Um, but, uh, like I said, it's a, it's, it's a very like fascinating, uh, cool movie and the, the franchise too, uh, besides, uh, reloaded, I really recommend if you haven't seen this already, get the animatrix. Okay. Especially just the first two shorts. The animatrix is a collection of, uh, anime and cartoon shorts based on, on the matrix kind of universe. And the the best one by far and it's not like too anime e i'm not really into a lot of like heavy anime i tried to watch um what is it uh attack on titan attack on titans and it's a like attack on titans is a really badass plot it's one of those things that i can like honestly wikipedia and enjoy way more than watching it because it just has all that kind of dumb anime like cliches where there's like way too much relationship and like way too much like coming of age like kid stuff like they just it just suffers from kind of a soap opera effect in my opinion that there's like this crazy awesome concept of people defending themselves from giants and having to learn how to like fight and stuff and then interspersed is like they're like growing up and being kids and stuff it's just dumb i don't i don't, I don't give a shit about that <laughs> i want to see the monsters damn it so uh you know it's it's uh this one is much more like grounded in the story and and i think that the story is done so well i'll kind of sum it up kind of briefly for you um it's called the uh, second renaissance and it basically is a retelling of the story of how the machines won of how they ended up in control and it's told through the perspective of the machines which is kind of cool too and basically the the story um is that uh we invented in artificial intelligence and then we had robots like take over everything for us, basically. But uh, but in the beginning, the robots were like uh, stereotypical, like humanoid looking robots, you know, who would do the construction work for us. And they were maids and uh, bartenders and all that kind of shit, you know. And that that was the, that was their bag is they, they did that. But slowly they start becoming sentient and they start wanting rights like human beings have. And there's a great case that they have in there about the first uh, robot uh, murder um, in self-defense where a, a robot was being attacked and then it killed its owner in self-defense. And this this is where it's super, super cool is that they basically tie it to the same uh, like Dred Scott case um, you know, they, they, to, to the idea that he, that robots, um, just like how black people were not considered like people, how there was like that that court case, you know, where it actually was finally like written on the books that um, that robots just like like it has a lot of ties to civil rights, which is really cool. 
But, you know, it's basically like a court case that uh, robots are not humans and you can fucking kill them like no problem. They're property. And so this creates, um, you know, a very like tame uh, rebellion, just like a protest, basically, is they it's really cute because they have all these like adorable, like humanoid robots that have signs like robot lives matter, you know, and stuff. They don't say robot lives matter. <laughs> They don't say that, but they, you know, it's just uh, all about like them. They just want to be treated like people. They just want to be treated the same. And with the protests, uh, it's not just robots protesting. It's other, you know, well-minded liberal, I guess you could say, uh, humans too are joining the lines. It's it's in it. They, they take cues directly from like the Selma protests and stuff of them like holding hands and marching for uh, for robot equality. And then they also show the brutality of, of of men who just like beat the hell out of them. And there's a, a terrifying sequence where um, this uh, female robot, because now by this point, they look just like people is being just brutally smashed in the street and their like clothes are being ripped off. And first, you know, it's like you it looks like a, like a woman like getting raped. You know, it's fucking terrible. And then they start pulling off her skin and it's like a robot underneath and stuff. And it's just brutal. And so. Um, basically, uh, after that happens, after the robots just are putting up with all this bullshit from humanity, um, they decide to leave. They decide, you know, the best course is that humans don't want nothing to do with us. Uh, we don't really care about climates or anything. All we need is sunshine. So they, uh, set up like in Israel, they set up a country called zero one in the deserts. Um, in the, like, I, I believe it's, it's kind of like where like modern day Iraq and stuff is, but it's like, it's just a shithole desert that no humans want to live in. But since the, the robots are solar powered, don't really care. They set up their like Israel there. They set up like their own homeland just for robots. And they call out all the robots can come there and live in peace. And so they do that. And for a while, it's a great system. Any robot that's tired of getting hassled in the, you know, in the human world can come in the robot world, zero one. Uh, but then they, uh, you know, they need to, uh, make money to survive in their community and stuff, even though they are robots still, they, uh, start manufacturing goods for humans. They, they, they have a brand called zero one. It's pretty badass too. It's like a, just a black and white square is their brand. And because they're all machines, they can work 24 hours a day and uh, build products for people that are at like crazy low prices. So they're building like cars and all kinds of like furniture and stuff. They even make their own cute robot ads that are just for humans, you know, and uh, they start just building all these cheap goods that everyone in the world is buying and they end up becoming like the largest economy on Earth. And then... Of course, because the greed, like, you know, because greed gets involved with the humans, that's whenever, like, shit starts going down. And then suddenly the United Nations starts uh, get blockading them, starts economic sanctions against them, uh, you know, does all this bad shit. And so they, you know, now that they have their own country and they just want peace, uh, they send a man and woman robot uh, to come to the UN to ask to be a part of the uh, of of the UN, and they look adorable. Like the man robot has a little top hat on, and the woman one has like a little dress on. And they come, uh, and they come in peace. They just want to be represented like the other countries, and they immediately get grabbed by security and just get just dragged out. And everyone's laughing at them and stuff. And then that's like where it all all goes wrong. And they show the they show these people um, in the Senate chambers clapping and then slowly turning into skeletons. <laughs> it's really, really great visually. And so after that happens, the United Nations decides to start war against Zero One. And of course, the robots get their hand the asses of the humans to them immediately. Like it's not even a fight. And so that's basically the whole whole story. Now you don't even have to watch it. <laughs> I just decided to tell you the whole thing, but it's brilliant because it's like just like the Matrix, it has so many like themes around it. You know about about civil rights, about uh, economic economics, about you know nation building and stuff like that. And just it's just beautiful. It's really really cool. It's called the Second Renaissance. So if you're gonna kind of go outside the movies, that one is the one to go to. And another awesome thing that people don't remember 
with the Matrix is that they created one of the most groundbreaking multiplayer uh, games, The Matrix Online. Uh, whenever that came out, that shit was like straight up like space age amazing. And it made such sense. Like of all the IPs to do this, The Matrix is beautiful because you like literally just enter The Matrix you, you know, you have your your human self on the computer and then you create a new character that is in the Matrix and can talk to people in the fucking Matrix and stuff. So cool. Um, unfortunately, that game suffered from being like a little too ambitious and needed a lot of server headspace and computers that people couldn't really run then. So now it's a it's, it's a dead game. It's, it's a sad fact of so many online games is that now it's just a dead game. Can't really play it anymore. But at the time, amazing, amazing, amazing concept. So in, in summary, uh, The Matrix is always worth worth a rewatch. I think if you watch it again now, um, especially knowing the Wachowski brothers that turn into siblings, that turn into sisters, um, you'll see so many little hints about it being kind of a transsexual uh um, fable in a way, like, or it has like a lot of themes about that. And you just there's just a lot of little things that you can just kind of relearn and watch. Um, it's amazing. It's well, well worth checking out again. And so that's my recommendation on uh, something to watch while you're still stuck in this god awful quarantine is uh, check out the Matrix one more time and uh, check out the Animatrix. And you can skip reload, and that 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 one sucks ass. <laughs> I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Well, guys, that was episode number eight. Number nine is coming out next, and that is going to be the real test for me. That'll be over the hill, if you will. Um, also going to have fun listening to this tomorrow and probably realizing I was too fucking sleepy to put this together. <laughs> it's good to do them at night, I think, but, uh, I'm just getting old, getting old man jaywalk and I can just feel myself kind of falling to the microphone right now. So, uh, also I think uh, caffeine, you know, is always sounds like a good idea, but I forget that it crashes you. And that's what I kind of did before I did this. I did a little shot of caffeine and, uh, now I'm feeling a a big heavy sleepy feeling so i'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up thank you so much for listening as always you can find me on facebook lower your expectation on instagram lower your expectation podcast and you can email me lower your expectation podcast at gmail.com and if you want to help this show i don't need your goddamn money what i need though is i need your subscriptions and i need your likes Thanks to your subscribers and your likes on this show. And by likes, I mean ratings because I'm a millennial uh, dumbass who now calls everything fucking likes. <laughs> it's uh, the ratings really do fucking matter and help. It's the reason why I've beaten out that dumb has been YouTuber who has the same name as me and why I'm happy to say I am number one in the search results for lower expectation. That's thanks to listeners like you getting on your goddamn app putting in the freaking five stars and that's what gives me the motivation to continue this uh silly project that uh cost me time and money and for a few, a few like about a dozen people a week listen to but if you give me that those those likes and those nice reviews um it uh, makes it all worthwhile and if not i don't give a damn I'm still gonna make this every week if you don't like it stop listening um but uh, find, like, another friend. I think that's a fair deal. Like, if you want to stop listening to the show, just, like, find a new friend to kind of pass it off to, you know. Be like, that, that'll be doing your part. Um, tell friends about this show. I do not like advertising it myself. So just go on there. Uh, find your fucking buddy and message him. They're like, oh, this guy's, like, hilarious. He has a podcast and I kind of know all my stuff. Uh, send him a link and stuff they'll listen to. Maybe make a new fan. That would be great. 
So that's the end of the show here. But before you go. Hello. I've been waiting for you three. Who are you? Yeah, who are you? I am the architect. But please, call me Larry. Hey, Larry. <laughs> Larry. <laughs> I created The Matrix and several popular video games, including Cubert and Dick Dug. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. I didn't create Frogger, but I came up with the name for it. Can you believe they wanted to call it Highway Crossing Frog? <laughs> that is so lame. I know. It's the lamest thing I've ever heard of. Highway Crossing Frog. <laughs> <laughs>